0: Welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast for all things animation, including reviews and interviews. Coming to you from a secret laboratory, I'll be your host, Dave Trumbor. Sean couldn't be with us this time. Why? Because he's trying to take over the world. Joining me instead from an old water tower on Warner Brothers' abandoned movie lot, it's my special guest, Rafael Mormayor. What's going on, Rafael? Good to see you.
1: Hey, thank you for having
0: me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming back. We've we've had you on a number of times. Refresh my memory. Uh, we, we've chatted Star Wars, a bunch of stuff. I think yes, we, chatted, we, we chatted more Star Wars after that. Did we have you on for There was primal? another
1: one. I can't remember what the third one was.
0: I want to say Primal, but I'm not sure if it was that one or not.
1: I don't think it was. I don't think it was because I will remember because I love that
0: show. <laughs> I was going to say, well, we probably need to have you back, like, I don't know, next week to talk the, the second season <laughs> of Primal. But uh, so why did you want to come back to the show tonight specifically? What what was it about tonight's episode that made you want to jump, jump on the show and talk about it?
1: Well, because I uh, assume that unlike you and Sean, I did not grow up with Animaniac, the show we are talking about, because I was four years old when that show <laughs> ended. But I have seen a lot of it in the years since, and I love it. Um, because we are getting new episodes and I'm really excited to talk about those.
0: Absolutely, yeah, that was actually going to be my first uh, kind of follow-up question for you, was like, what is your familiarity with Animaniacs? What do you remember about it? And then what, what was your experience when you kind of came back to it in more re- recent years?
1: Uh, I only, I think I only knew the Warner siblings as characters, not necessarily as part of a show. And then, you know, Pink and the Brain because, like, of course. And I think uh, when I was growing up, they had like segments of that hmm. in like the commercials at Cartoon Network, maybe, because uh, I remember more vividly that than any and then just after that, I just watched random episodes on and off uh, during the years.
0: So your your first exposure to that was just kind of like through, just kind of like random pop culture stuff, like it would just pop up. Yeah, I think so. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: That's yeah. funny because for me, and I know for Sean too, like we pretty much grew up with this, so this was like. This was back when it was the WB, right? This was the mm-hmm. kids WB, which nobody uh, under a certain age probably even knows what that is anymore. It was before the CW. So it was, it was you know, going back through TV networks, through a bunch of different mergers and buyouts and, and name changes and stuff like that. It was a Warner Brothers owned TV network that I think became CW. I think they like merged with UPN or whatever somewhere along the way. But for us, it was like another uh, afternoon cartoon block. So it would just be the Warner Brothers cartoons, but it was drastically different from a Looney Tunes. You know, it was, it was even different from like Tiny Toons. I think Tiny Toons was around the same time and it was around the same, like, you know, the same IP, but the same, the same block. So when the Warner Brothers and the Warner sister came out, that was just like, wait, what is this? And it was a throwback to like that Looney Tunes kind of style, but with completely new characters. They had the anthology format, which I thought was amazing. It was like a variety show, but as a cartoon, which I didn't. I'd never seen that before as a kid. I don't know if anybody really has. And you know, when I when I heard that they were rebooting it, I don't know. What was your first reaction when you heard about the planned reboot a couple of years ago? Now,
1: um, I mean, again, I I didn't have that like, oh, they're destroying my childhood right. connection to it. But I just thought, well, on the one hand, because I have been I have thought about this a lot, like like say like um, Mickey Mouse and those sure. sort of old classic characters, not necessarily shows, but characters. I feel like, well, if they don't have as frequent reruns as they used to have, then why not just make new ones in order to like keep them alive, in a way? Uh, so I was um, I was down for that. But as a show, I didn't think of like quite a lot of what Animanias did. We have seen a lot more of in recent years. Like from the music to the sort of meta humor to the reference to all things that kids probably haven't seen. Um, so I was a bit weary of how relevant and how like uh, different they were going to be in today's landscape. I don't know. How about you?
0: Yeah, I mean, like anything these days with reboots, uh, same same kind of thing. It's sort of like, I don't know. Do we need it? That's my first question. Like, do we need it? Second question is usually like, who's involved and, and what are they bringing to the project? Right. So I usually look to see if it's the same. Uh, the same actors who brought these characters to life, some of the same writers or the musicians, because you specifically called out, you know, the music of the show, which is really important. Are they still involved or is it a whole new cast? And that's that's not to say, you know, that's not even a great litmus test either way, because the Powerpuff Girls, you know, they brought in a whole new cast and fans really hated that. DuckTales brought in a whole new cast and fans loved it uh, because they added a lot of personality and a lot of, of, of variety and and unique Characterism, uh, characterizations to the new DuckTales the same with all the all the kind of modern reboots is like I, I look to those things first but it wasn't until I had a chance to sit down and uh and actually talk to um Rob Paulson that I was like okay if this guy's on board and he's this excited yeah. about it and he's not just selling me on it like he's not just like well you know we get a nice paycheck and it'll be fun to do to, to see the old gang again he was like really excited about it and uh you know he had a lot of Go listen to that interview if you guys want to, because he has a lot of positive things to say, especially having just been diagnosed with, like, throat cancer, and this was his kind of, like, return, and all kinds of good stuff there, but he kind of sold me on it before I'd seen a frame, and it wasn't until I was prepping for this show that I actually got to check out the, uh, the first episode, which is what we're going to kind of focus on, and honestly, without giving too much away, I was, I was pleasantly surprised with how they handled it, and, uh, we're going to talk about why <laughs> here in a few minutes, um, <laughs> But in case you guys aren't aware of Animaniacs, maybe you'd never seen it before, maybe you didn't grow up with it, or maybe you're curious about what the new show is, Uh, we have best friend of the show and a longtime listener, Bobby Anthem, who's going to drop in right now with his dulcet tones and give us the synopsis of the brand new Hulu Animaniacs show. So Bobby, take it away. They're back. The Warner Brothers, Yakko and Wacko, and the Warner sister, Dot, have a great time wreaking havoc and mayhem in the lives of everyone they meet. After returning to their beloved home, the Warner Brothers' water tower, the siblings waste no time in causing chaos and comic confusion as they run loose through the studio, turning the world into their personal playground. Joining Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, fan-favorite characters Pinky and the Brain also return to continue their quest for world domination. Thank you so much, Bobby. Uh, Raphael, I know you really don't know Bobby Anthem at all, so this is going to be an awkward question for you, but <laughs> it's going to make our listeners and probably make Sean laugh. If Bobby Anthem were to be in the Animaniacs cartoon, <laughs> what do you think Bobby Anthem would be? Wow. Yeah.
1: I'm going to take a wild guess and say probably the the therapist, Dr. Um,
0: Scratch and Sniff. That would be really good, actually. I yeah. don't know if
1: that fits, but like,
0: now, sure. That's perfect. Because honestly, if I were to go to a, a therapist, I feel like if I went to Bobby Anthem, Dr. Bobby Anthem, I would feel a lot better. He'd make me feel just like super at ease. He's very chill. He'd probably use like hypnotherapy and just talk to me for a while and just kind of like lull me to sleep. And I, yeah, I think that would work really well. How about you? What would you want to be? What 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 segment would you want to be in? What's one of your favorite wow. things you'd love to be in in the show?
1: Um I don't know. I think just anything with the Warner Brothers and the Warner yeah. sister dot that that's yeah. I just have to be involved in like in the background just watching them do their crazy
0: stuff. You'd like to just that's be for me. you want to be one of the like background characters on the lot who's just yeah. kind of like watching all this insanity happen. No, that's perfect. How about you? For me, man, I, I kind of like some of the um, one of my favorite segments of this entire show. It wasn't one of the main like ones I got a off or anything like that. It was it was the super simple good idea, bad idea. And I don't know if you've if you've watched those or if you caught any of those in your rewatch of the original one. Honestly, I don't know if they're in the new one or not, but it was essentially like a, it was a skeleton in a suit. And he would have they would present good idea and he would do something that was just fairly like mundane. And there'd be like a, a light bulb that would go off and then they would say bad idea. And I think the light bulb would like blow out and the exact opposite thing would happen to him in usually really funny ways. So the fact that they were able to take that simple idea and just churn out so many instances of that, I always kind of love that. Um, I don't know what I would do in that scenario because it was a one man <laughs> scene. <laughs> I guess like you, I'd just be in the background being like, "What's that skeleton doing walking around. But I don't know. That's one that always stuck with me. I wish I could remember some of the jokes, but I just remember the setup. I remember the setup and not the punchline. Perfect. Speaking of perfect, we've got a perfect and flawless format to this show. Here's how it's going to go. If you haven't listened to the show before, we don't just straight up review a particular episode or sometimes even a full uh, season or series. What we like to do is give you a uh, compliment sandwich. So we've got the good, the bad, and the LOL. Yes, that does sound like a spaghetti western starring our good buddy and yours, Clint Eastwood. But that's just where we stole it from. He is not involved. He does not sponsor this show. Not yet. What we're going to do is we're going to give you the good. What worked for us. What we thought was uh, pretty solid. We're going to sandwich that in with the bad. And maybe some things that weren't quite so great. Didn't live up to expectations. Or needed a little bit of work. Or we have some uh, constructive criticism for. And then we're going to end it with what I think is probably going to be the biggest section tonight. The LOLs. Now it's not always specifically uh, for comedies. It's just some stuff that made us laugh for one reason or another. Whether it was intentional or otherwise. So Raphael. Tonight. What worked for you kind of on a, on a overall level for the Animaniacs reboot? What was good?
1: Well, I think uh, to start, I think my biggest worry is just like, as you were saying, sort of the the typical reboot mm-hmm. things, just the trying to uh, make it like the original, while like changing it just enough. And what I like about the new episodes is that they don't do that. They just feel like they were made in the night well not in the 90s but it, it feels like if they just took a break mm. it doesn't feel like a revival and they use the word reboot in it, but it doesn't feel like it It just feels like a continuation. a continuation and i love that because it doesn't uh it just continue the same story and they of course um, it, 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 like they still update a lot of things the jokes are uh newer the references are newer um and I look like, uh, the update oh, a lot of those guys and, like, the songs. Oh, my God. Uh, the songs. <laughs> uh, I was really worried about that. Yeah. Because that was, I think, um, like, the first thing I do think about when I think of Animanias are the songs. Um, especially in recent years when, like, uh, because the voice actors have been doing a lot of uh, table rings and, like, um, performances of the songs. Yeah. Uh, that's what most people will be familiar, with, even if they don't know Animaniacs. Um And I gotta give a shout out to because I that was one of the first thing I, I I found out when they were like talking about who was involved in the reboot is that they have the two songwriters for the from the excellent uh, Anne and the Apocalypse. The in case you haven't seen it, the Scottish Christmas high school zombie musical, <laughs> right, uh, which is about us. Weird as you as that sounds, yeah. Um, they did an excellent job with the new songs, and I feel like I, I think it, like some of the people from the um, The original composer is involved. Uh, Randy roger I think his name is. Um, some of the some of the musical composers are still involved, and it does feel like they updated just enough that oh, I haven't listened to this before, but it's still like oh yeah, it's an Animaniac song.
0: Yeah, exactly. It, it definitely had that same kind of spirit. So whether you're talking the plot, the animation, the story that they're trying to tell, and specifically the songs, it doesn't feel like they missed a beat. It doesn't feel like there was a gap of, of 20 years, even though they specifically build that into the story uh, to make to poke fun at. So the fact that the, it felt like a continuation, I think you said it perfectly, uh, that was great. And to me, when we're talking about songs, the first song that I'm always going to think of is the theme song. So when that theme song dropped, and it doesn't drop right away. There's a there's a kind of a cold open we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, when the theme song hits, for me, it, it was like, it took me back to being like, you know, a 12 or 13 year old kid again. Um, it was really interesting to like, because they didn't change up the theme song that much at all. It was pretty much just pulled directly from the 90s. Even the animation, a lot of that was exactly the same as it was in the 90s, just with sort of like cleaned up and polished up uh, uh, modern visuals, but not. It was honestly hard for me to tell the difference. I was like, "Did they just pull this intro from the original series?" I really didn't know. But as soon as that, as soon as that theme song dropped, I was in. I was, I was in, I was in a good space. So I think a lot of our listeners out there are already probably humming and, and singing that theme song in their heads. <laughs> I love the fact that it had that variety. There, there's a couple spaces in there where um, Yakko, Wacko, or Dot can say a different line. Uh, I think they all have it where they can add a different line. Everybody has their favorites. Um, I'm assuming they'll keep that kind of trend throughout these these uh, new episodes here too. But yeah, the theme song, man, that, that was the first place that got me. Yeah. When you're talking songs, did you have a standout a standout song for you? Did you have a favorite among the episodes um, you
1: watched? I think just um, the one from the first episode, the last one the, uh, about reboots. Okay. Yeah. Um, such a catchy song, <laughs> and he just it knows what he wants to say, and just the 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 punchline at the end where they hand them their check and say, no, yeah, you're working for Hulu now. That's just perfect.
0: No, it was great. I I actually think I like the the first song better where it's sort of, the plot of this one is uh, the Warners have kind of been like, kind of been resurrected for the better, uh, lack of a better term, and they've been rebooted. So the whole plot is about them kind of uh, learning what what the new world is like, but not in a like cheesy kind of way. They just... Essentially, Yakko just, you know, here's here's a spoiler, but Yakko just literally swallows a tablet, uh, a mobile tablet, not a pill tablet, a little play on words there, uh, with the world's entirety of knowledge on the tablet. He essentially swallows the internet. And um, that leads into their first song after the theme song, which is just the Warners catching everybody up on the last 20 years, sometimes really like tongue in cheek and sometimes pretty, pretty biting on that. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, especially because, and I really like uh, that they acknowledge how long it takes to do yes. anything in animation. Yes, And they say that they wrote the episode in 2018. <laughs> exactly. So they have no idea what, how much of it is still relevant. And they just try to, um, they, they try to, to predict what yeah. happened in between 2018 and 2020. I was like, yeah, they got quite a lot of it right. Yeah like it's scary like, the amount of
0: things they got right yeah no that was a brilliant stroke of, of the writing because again that's another thing that i really like about this show is it's it's very self-aware and the original show was too they poked a lot of fun at, you know fourth wall breaking and a lot of self-referential humor for artists writers cartoonists the fact that they were cartoons themselves and they knew that and everybody kind of in the world knew that um they do the exact same thing this time and they do it right in that first theme song where like you said they're like we wrote this in 2018 and we don't know what happened. So we're going to take our best guess. And then a lot of it, yeah, is scarily accurate. Like uh, they were like the climate kept getting worse. And then, you know, all these volcanoes go off and they take it to an extreme, but not that much of an extreme, to be honest. Uh, so that was just cleverly done. Again, with the songs, I, I, the songs were good. I knew that they had the humor down and it was really sharp writing that was really on the edge of a, a satire it, it's more of like a parody or a spoof but it's but it's right on that edge of like a cutting satire but it's smart enough to to do it and it's funny enough to get away with it which is kind of my takeaway from the whole thing now we also have yeah go ahead
1: uh no i was gonna say quickly i don't think that's what you were leading to um because you haven't seen the, the the other episode no but i do like uh and, and like the e starts in this one because another thing I was a bit worried about was how much they want to play into politics. Mm. Not because they didn't do that before. Because, I mean, they did. Bill Clinton. Is sure, on the, he's in everywhere. On the, on the intro song. Yeah. But it's such a low-hanging fruit to do it in 2020. Uh, and I like that they sort of acknowledge that. And like in the first... They don't, I, I don't think they say the name. No. you're like, yeah, we know it's right here. You yep. all know it. Let's just move on and do other stuff. And, and they the, the episodes that they sent to press they sort of um, thread that needle like they do a lot of a, a lot of uh, more general uh, political issues from the past again like from twenty eighteen yeah that are still sadly relevant yeah uh, but not and, and like specific enough that yeah I mean it still applies but not uh, but sentient, you know, like it, they could have done it back then. And without the specificity that you're like, yeah, we, we did this two years ago. Move on. Exactly. And I like that they, they, they do that just right where it's still funny, but it doesn't feel old.
0: Exactly. And they they work it in uh, – there's like a scene with uh, Seth Meyers and they kind of poke fun at both Seth Meyers in kind of a mean way and uh, – <laughs> <laughs> but they also poke fun at the, the uh, political spectrum too. But they, they don't – they never say Trump by name. But he's always kind of lurking around in the background of different scenes as like this weird, like creepy, shadowy specter. And it's actually a little scary. Um, but, yeah, he's always kind of lurking around and they always kind of have these side pot shots at it. You can tell that the writers obviously are super not happy with him uh, and have not been for the last two years. So I'm hoping that as they kind of go forward, there's kind of that like catharsis or whatever, um, that yeah. that's hopefully not going to be a problem anymore. But, yeah, I thought that was handled well. I don't think they overdid it. Some people will probably disagree. Uh, but I think they also acknowledged it and they acknowledged that they are coming into a drastically different world than where the Warners left, you know, 20 some years ago. Was there anything else kind of in general uh, that really worked for you about this show? Anything about the variety, the fact that we have more than just the Warner siblings in this very first episode?
1: Um, I mean, I think it's more of, uh, again, what we just said, just they, they don't try to overdo it. Mm. They don't try to... Uh, Hammered the fact that yeah, remember this? We you used to love it when you were a kid. Um, it, they but they still acknowledge that yeah, we are rebooting an old show, and everyone else is doing it. So let's just get that joke out of the way um, and acknowledge that. But don't focus on like then like they. I, I think they handle the nostalgia pretty well. Yeah. Um, I will also say because uh, you mentioned the. the you mentioned the theme song. You mentioned the first uh, beat when they sort of got resurrected, and that this this been out for a while because they released that as a teaser like a month or so ago. Right. The opening, uh, <laughs>
0: scene, right. the
1: Jurassic Park scene, that is one of the funniest scenes I've seen in like, like a while.
0: It was really good. I was actually probably going to save it for the LOLs, but if you want to talk about it now, or oh, we can so okay. we can save it later.
1: Uh, we can save it until then.
0: We'll tease yeah. you guys. You have to wait yeah, uh, for us to talk about Jurassic Park. Um, but but spinning off kind of the the something you know satirical parody a little bit sometimes cynical. That's honestly leading into some of the stuff that didn't work for me quite as well. I really don't have a lot of negative points to talk about with this show. Just in 2020, with 2020 being as it is, there are some parts of the humor of this show that you know, they feel rooted in the 90s. And some for some folks in 2020, that's probably not going to be great for them. Uh, Some people are going to be like hypersensitive to a certain joke here or there. But I feel like there's a wide enough range of variety with kind of the cynicism in some of these jokes. They kind of hit on everybody. Uh, Everybody kind of takes a shot. It's not quite to the level of being like South Park or anything like that, especially myself only having seen half an hour of this. But a lot of folks get shots taken at them that I wasn't really expecting Mm -hmm. uh what did you think about that as far as like the willingness to kind of go there on some of these jokes
1: uh that's one of the things i like the most actually because like as i said before uh since animaniacs ended we've seen all of these shows sort of take that concept of oh yeah we're gonna make fun and take it to the extreme yeah and by now like 20 years like 20 years after south park premiere like what how can you do that differently and i feel like and it may did it in a way that is not, they, they may offend, but not anger. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. Um, or, or just like, I know you just enough <laughs> that it still makes you laugh.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly.
1: And I like that. I really, really like that.
0: No, I enjoyed that too. I, I think it actually is going to be really interesting to see how people respond to this in 2020, because I think what we've lost a lot of along the way is not only just a sense of humor. But that sense of like pausing for a second, letting a joke kind of sink in and either being like, "Oh, like, oh, they got away with that one. But then thinking about it for a second and not just having that instant knee-jerk reaction where it's like, well, I have to tweet about this because everything they're doing is wrong. Or not just like everything they're doing is brilliant and it's amazing and I don't even want to think or talk about it. I just want to tell you how amazing it is. So I think that, and they, they take some, you know, they take some parodies about that too. There's a whole middle segment in here, which is Pinky and the Brain. And honestly, this, Pinky and the Brain is probably where I have the most issues with this particular episode. Um, They really really do poke at that kind of like social media mindset, though. Like Brain's entire plot this time revolves around a 20-year plan of essentially like worming his way into social media to become a social media darling and then embed kind of this like uh, uh, hypnotism software. So once he gets his 40 billion hits or whatever, he's going to literally enslave everyone and uh, he'll take over the world that way. And because we are such dumb, predictable creatures, it kind of works. It it always backfires because that's what happens in Pinky and the Brain. But it works. But the whole thing is kind of a satire against us and how we're always like have our phones or our computer screens directly in our faces and don't really think about anything. We just hit that next like button. So I liked it. I like the way it cuts. I like the way the humor cuts. It's 100% going to rub some people the wrong way. And I'm very interested to see what the discussion is kind of like what do you think about that as far as people's reactions oh, definitely. yeah
1: i i i am curious uh because uh, i i agree it definitely may rub the wrong people the wrong way uh and it is like when you when, when you when you think about like pink and they bring in 2020 what what were what what would you expect you know they are gonna, gonna tackle social media because it's it, it it's right there is yeah. the easiest way <laughs> and it makes perfect sense and i feel like I, at least i like the way they handled it because um, again it goes like they, they they know at least this first episode feels like just what you would expect but not in the way that a lot of these um reboots or sort of le- uh, legacy equals do mm. in that they try to just redo what you know um for, and I mean, that can still work, but they, but it's just like, okay, we, we we know it. Right Here, they still like, they don't necessarily redo things, you know, they just do the, the the thing you would expect them to do in this new episode. And they still do it well, and they still, because of their meta humor and the, 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 they are able to be so self-referential, they know they are doing exactly what you would expect them to do, and they still have a laugh at it. Yeah, and I feel like that was the right the right way to go about it.
0: Yeah, I'll be honest, the, the plot of this particular one didn't really grab me as much because I because of the social media aspect, I was just kinda like, okay, like I feel like I've seen it. But what I haven't seen in twenty years is is Pinky and the Brain. And they granted they had their own spin-off series and they they did their usual shtick and it was nice to spend time with them again. I particularly liked when uh, <laughs> I think Brain says something to Pinky of like, hey, it's showtime, Pinky, and they're like getting ready for the camera. And, and Pinky Lake takes off his robe and he's like, well, I'll do it, but only if it's tasteful. And I'm like, wow, they got away with a, a nudity joke right there. And kids aren't going to get it, which, which made me want to go back to the original and watch it again and be like, how many of those jokes did I not get when I was like 12 years old? Probably a lot.
1: I was going to ask you that. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. When you asked me like how familiar I was with that, I was going to say like, how much did you get from like the, because it's not only like the, the innuendo, but yeah. there's also so many references do things like decades before you were born and re-watching it now, I was like, how was this for kids?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Like, and I, I, probably missed most I know, of it like, to be honest.
1: They, they made jokes for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I, I'm sure like the jokes were mostly for the writer, but still the show was aimed at kids. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It still is amazing. Well, that if you do that.
0: if you ever watch, well, first of all, Hello Nurse, that whole thing, like the, the wolf whistle that they do. No. I mean, that's obviously a throwback mm-hmm. to sort of the wolf, the literal wolf whistle from the, the old like uh, Mary Melody's Looney Tunes days. But there's also uh, Minerva Mink. Minerva Mink was kind of like this weird sex symbol within the, the cartoon itself. She wasn't around a lot, but when she was there, she was very much like a sex symbol for this kid's cartoon show. So a lot of that was rooted kind of in like the 50s, 60s cartoons. And then, and even earlier probably, uh, and then they carried it into like the 90s as this, these kind of classic characters. Same with Hello Nurse. Now, I haven't seen what they've done in 2020. I'm actually really curious to see what they do with kind of that approach in 2020. That's not in the first episode. Um, but yeah, they do take some other shots at, at social media and stuff like that. One one more of like on the technical side for the pinky and the brain segment. I just thought it was a little slow. I, I think I think my 21st century brain, now that I'm used to like quick hitting five six seven minute minute segments and episodes you know like you've talked a number of times about um the more modern shows talking like adventure time uh not not rick and morty so much but a lot of the adult swim type shows where it's just like we'll hit you with a quick five or six minute episode and that's it we're on to the next thing so even when they had eight to ten minute segments in this sometimes they felt a little long what did you think about the pacing overall
1: um just to be clear, are we in the bad already? Are we still like in between?
0: Uh I'm kind of I'm kind of in the bad section as far as like things that didn't quite work with okay. me. That, um, yeah.
1: Because if so, then I would say yeah. And I feel like my issue with it is that at least in the because they only sent five episodes to the right. press to check out before the premiere. And from what I seen, the only returning characters are Pink and the Brain. Okay. And I'm not sure if I like that. Yeah. Uh now some of the descriptions for other episodes and the trailer um, um, shows um, Dr. Uh, Scratches returning, but other than him, I don't know. Uh, The intro doesn't show any of them. Even though I do like that joke uh, like the new focus group characters, um, but I feel like because of the lack of um, old characters and familiar characters, they sort of just extend every Mm. segment that they have a little bit too much um because at least in every episode i have seen just three segments two with the uh warner siblings and one with pink in the brain okay and it can be a bit too long it can be a bit the the, the pacing may not be the best it, it falters a little bit
0: see and that's that's funny on a couple of levels like one just from a, a pacing and production issue These guys, when they were on the air in the 90s, they had to fit a a live broadcast. They had to fit around a half hour time slot with, you know, X number of minutes baked in for commercials because that's just how it worked. You don't do that anymore. You don't have to do that anymore. So it's interesting to me when some animated series still adhere to that like half hour structure where it's like Mm -hmm. there's no reason (laughs) for you guys to be doing that anymore. You're not on a, a TV guide anymore. You're on your own time schedule, whatever you want to do for like budgeting. Sure, that I get. But for the actual episodes, some can be shorter, some can be longer. You could release them in segments. You could could do it for an hour and just do like an actual literal variety show if you wanted to have like a two-part special or whatever. On the other hand, that does bum me out that you haven't seen any of the other kind of anthology characters or variety show characters because they had a ton. That was one of the strengths of the original show. Mm -hmm. It wasn't all on the shoulders of the Warner Brothers and their sister Dot. It was... You know, it was buttons and Mindy. It was uh, um, good idea, bad idea. It was the good feathers. If they don't have the good feathers, I'm gonna be real upset. Yeah, I haven't seen them. <laughs> oh no! And if
1: they are there, I will. I will. Uh, I. They, I just will be confused as to why they didn't show those episodes. Yeah, because I will assume they want you to not, to have like a, a, a wide variety of what they have to offer. But, and since we are on the back, I would say like the five episodes I've seen are more or less the same. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, again, because they have so much stuff to cover, so much like pop culture in the past two decades yeah. that they combined from, to see them be more or less the same is a, a little bit uh, disappointing. Yeah. Even though, like, I still like some of the things they do in, in later episodes uh, are like, completely different and like outstanding. But just in terms of like playing with genres and like, and I know that the trailer shows other stuff. I know I I, I did a, a, an interview with um, the the cast and the and the producers, and they did like they do like Broadway parodies. I didn't see that. Oh, okay. So I I, I don't know. So I I I hope and I know like the, there's more stuff to it. Right. You saw it seen. Maybe
0: they're maybe they're hiding it from us. Maybe they're waiting until, you know, by the time you guys hear this on on YouTube or wherever you're listening to it, you will have access, I would imagine, to the whole season. I think they're doing the full season, right? They're not doing a week week to week.
1: I think so. Yeah. I think so. Oh.
0: So yeah, you should have the whole season, so maybe we'll find out, but man, that would be a real bummer. I would honestly go from kind of the heights of where I am now with what I've seen to I would I would fall off a cliff a little bit from that because that was the strength of the original show was the variety the segments you never knew when you would turn tune in each week if it was a new episode and not a rerun you never knew what you were going to get which was part of the fun like a lot of pretty much every other cartoon you know what the setup's going to be you know the hero is going to struggle and then they're going to save the day and then they're going to do it again next week with these characters, it was like like freakazoid. Like you had no clue what was gonna happen any given week because the characters were completely insane yeah. and they were made to be that way. So man, yeah, I would be kinda of bummed if they didn't have um if they didn't have the rest of the, the I variety. mean,
1: maybe they're seventy for season two. they I know they, they, they already are working on season two, yeah. so maybe, but still it's a bit disappointing if they don't
0: do it yet. Exactly. Yeah, and I like I like in the show when they say like you know, we got renewed for two seasons already, so we're good to go. So maybe maybe that's what they're doing. I, because it, it, it makes sense. The Animaniacs themselves were kind of the core of the original show. And then Pinky and the Brain was obviously the biggest spinoff that came out of that. So they want to give people, you know, their quote-unquote money's worth for that first season. But, yeah, for me, and I think for a lot of fans out there, it was really about seeing that variety. Yeah. So we'll see. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that didn't quite work for you? We've talked the pacing. We've talked some of the humor.
1: I don't know if, how much it impacted my experience with the show, but I do feel like I have to mention the fact that because you brought it up like in the beginning of the show uh, that you took notice of who was involved with the show. And I feel like I, I, there have been a, a few articles recently about how even if they brought back the cast and some of the composers and, and songwriters, they didn't bring anyone from the writing staff even though apparently the, the original showrunner, the creator of the show, uh, was more than willing and excited to be a part of a revival and they didn't bring him on board. Now, I do like the the, the, the way the new guys um, handle the show. Mm-hmm. I don't know how different it would have been. Uh, maybe it would have been really bad if they tried to. <laughs> the way. I, we don't know that. But it still makes me feel a little bit sad that, you know, like, this guy who spent so many years working on something, and now it, like his name is of the credit. like there's nothing there,
0: yeah. when i when I was talking with uh, Rob Paulson about it, you know, we've got the the core cast. We've got Jess Harnell, Maurice LaMarche, Tress McNeil, Rob Paulson, and then Frank Welker does a a couple of the other uh, voices as well. We've got a lot of the the original kind of core voice cast is back. It's obviously a Steven Spielberg production. He was instrumental in getting this um, off the ground to begin with. Paulson has nothing but but great things to say about working with Spielberg. And basically he says, look, if Spielberg is going to call you up and be like, we're doing an Animaniacs reboot, are you in? He's like, there's only one answer <laughs> that you have. So he yeah. was, he was very diplomatic about, you know, what he could and could not say about who was and was not involved and the kind of behind the scenes decisions that obviously weren't his to make right. he doesn't he doesn't get to make those decisions um you did notice at the top of the episode that it is Steven Spielberg's Animaniacs so he's he's very proud to yeah. put his name on the show so that the buck kind of stops with him when it comes to those creative decisions i will say uh if i remember correctly from my interview paulson did mention that a lot of the the animators the writing team were of an age uh for the reboot that they basically grew up on animaniacs so it was sort of like The the fandom, when they were young and they got into the industry, sort of like what I'm doing. I'm just not obviously directly involved with the show. Otherwise, I would tell you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was was the kids who grew up watching it. Surprise, this whole time. Um, Yeah, it was was just kind of a generational thing where they grew up on it, they loved it, and then they got a chance to write for it. So, obviously, they're going to jump on that. Unfortunately, I'm not privy to any of the kind of contract stuff behind that. But, yeah, I agree with you that that's kind of a bummer that the original kind of creative team didn't necessarily have any any input uh, on the new one. But that being said, still pretty damn funny. I think they did a good job. Yeah. You yeah. want to jump into some of the LOLs? I know the first thing that pops up is that Jurassic Park sequence. So what was it about it that uh, made you laugh? Yes. Um, everything?
1: I mean, you're like, we've seen... Yeah, everything. Yeah. You're like... Because, uh, I mean, we've seen so many Jurassic Park parodies over the years. Uh, it's kind of hard to think of anything that will make you laugh and yet everything about it made me laugh yeah from the like uh the the impression of the cast yeah. to spielberg himself <laughs> to the hulu guy just,
0: just the, sitting the, there the lawyer is now yep.
1: a hulu guy saying they're gonna make a fortune with the with the warner siblings and and then I, I feel like at least in the first episode, that's the only time we hear them say uh, "boinky, boinky, boinky," and I I, so. I, 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 really like the way they, they do it. Um, and it's such a it's just such a, a way a great way of, um, handling that nostalgia, because you're both faced with oh, is the return of Animaniacs, but also oh, hey, Jurassic Park. I know that exactly. I grew up on that. And uh, as you said, it's again that Steven Spielberg. Like, don't forget who, who's in charge here. Yeah um and it just works i feel like it just works how are
0: you what do you think no i i absolutely love that scene because like you said it was kind of the caricatures as soon as i saw the the jeep kind of pull up and then like the sam neil character get out and i was just like oh no we're going here i guess it could have it could have fallen flat it could have been really kind of like dumb and like yeah we've seen that before but visually just the caricatures uh they, they are throwbacks to the same kind of caricatures that the 90s versions were. They're very kind of, like, exaggerated but recognizable. They're, they're sort of like if you'd go to the boardwalk, back when people could still do that, and uh, you get your your character a caricature drawn mm-hmm. by an artist, either at the mall or the boardwalk or whatever. It's those kind of, like, exaggerated features, but you immediately recognize uh, the characters. The fact that they took almost verbatim the dialogue from that scene in Jurassic Park, but just yeah. swapped in, like, the Warner Brothers or Yakko, Yakko, and Dot... The fact that they had some, like, spoofy kind of slapstick humor with that, too. And then, yes, Hulu guy, who is, like, their new mascot. He's very obviously rich lawyer Hulu guy because he's got, like, the green H everywhere. And it looks it looks awful in the funniest of ways. Um, just so <laughs> many little touches of that scene. And to see the Warners come up over the hill with the sun behind them, with the shadow. Yeah. And then, like you said, they come boinky, boinky, boinky down the hill. A, a fantastic introduction. And especially because even, like, the, the metaphorical side of, like, these were characters that were extinct 20 years ago, and we've revived them through the power of a lot of money from Hulu. We've just brought them back to life. And I love that kind of idea of, like, the Jurassic Park, obviously, and then the Warner Brothers. It was a fantastic scene, and then that all leads into the theme song, which I absolutely love. The fact that we've still got Bill Clinton playing the sax for no reason that kids would understand. Right. <laughs> right. It, it just cracked me up. I, I would love to, like, watch uh, parents who are, like, my age watch this show with their kids. And then all the kids be like, Who's that? What's that joke? Mm-hmm. What is this talking about? And then vice versa, when stuff happens that's kind of like because they add some new modern characters to this too. What what are what are your thoughts on um I think her name is Nora Rita Norita? She's sort of like the the new head of um I think that's her name. She's the new head of uh Warner Brothers. I think so. She's like the female executive. I dot as a name. Or two. I yeah. would
1: really like that because um I'm I, I don't remember, and I should have looked it up. I think that's what uh, it was from the, credits, the head of Warner Brothers. Yeah. Now is a woman, yeah. and like I'm pretty sure, like it was a direct. Uh, not and I, I, I really like as, as we said before, like just the, how they update things without drawing attention to it in a way that, like, oh yeah, look, we are, we are, we are fresh, we are, we are modern, but it, but it still feels like that, right? Um, I found her really funny, and we do see her a little bit in the some of the other episodes I've seen. So I'm, I'm glad that at least she wasn't a one-off
0: character. Right, exactly. Uh, one of the things I super loved about this first uh, episode that I saw was how much the Warner siblings are willing to absolutely destroy other Warner Brothers properties. <laughs> I, yes. think, I think, honestly, that was my favorite part of this first episode. Because they do it multiple times. Not just Jurassic Park and parodying that. They quite literally, when they're leaping down uh, the tarmac on the Warner's lot, and they're trying to get to their tower, they stop. And maybe I missed some of them, but they knock. I think it's like Gandalf, Harry Potter, mm-hmm. the DC uh, Wonder Woman, Batman. They knock all the DC comic characters like out of the way. They just shove other Warner Brothers properties to the side, and they're like, "Get out of the way!" It's the Warner Brothers and their sister dot, and I absolutely love that.
1: Yeah, and they and they do it again at the end uh, in their reboot song. That and song. They, in front of every, and, and, and I don't know about everyone, but a, a lot of them are Warner Brother properties that they have rebooted. And the moment I started seeing, them, like, oh, they are doing it. And they, I, I, speaking of like references that kids are definitely not gonna get, right? The Old Boy reboot or like remake, I will say. Yeah, the poster um, with Old Boy. With when they the, say like, uh, take, yeah. a, take a take a foreign property and just make sure the script is ready to go, and they they show that Old Boy poster and like. Who, who who is thinking of Old Boy in twenty twenty?
0: <laughs> I guess the writers were back in twenty eighteen. They were like, "Is that when that came out?" That probably came out in twenty eighteen. They were like, "Let's work Old Boy into the show."
1: No, no, that movie from two thousand and three. I think it's from like way back.
0: Oh, the original, yeah, but the reboot with um, uh, oh my
1: god, uh, Josh Brolin.
0: Josh Brolin, yeah, yeah.
1: Still, that was at least like a, a good decade before the <laughs> the, the episode was so written. think was yeah.
0: you can tell I'm getting so old that like the decades just kind of slip away now. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I love that reboot song, though, too, because they did they mentioned like all those different reboots. And the funny thing is, like, how many of those other reboots have happened since this show was written and they have like two more years to catch up <laughs> on. There's a lot of it out there that they left out. And I was like, wait, did they reboot that? But yeah, they 100% did. And a lot of them were Warner Brothers properties so they could just poke fun at them left and right. I want to ask you about the Frankenstein's monster of these DC Comics characters they make at the end of this oh thing. That was the funniest damn thing in this whole show because honestly, it really felt like they were poking fun at like the handling of the DC Comics characters. Mm-hmm. They were poking fun at the Justice League because they were uniting... I'm doing air quotes, you can't see, but they were Bye. uniting all the DC Comics characters into one horrific monster that kind of shambled off to the side and didn't know what it was supposed to do. I was like, wow, they're really going hard after their own properties. I wanted to know how fanboys are going to take that, if they even pick up on stuff like that. Or is it just funny? Like, what, what was going through your head when you were watching that scene kind of unfold?
1: Um, I didn't actually pick up on the uniting them. Yeah. Uh, now that you mentioned, that's literally the poster. It's all about, like, Unite the Seven, and yeah. I love that. But I did, because, uh, again, the, the, one of the first characters that they stumbled upon on the studio a lot, and just the character, the character, as like you say, like, they are recognizable, but right. still, like, you know they're making fun of it. Right. Right. Uh, And again, it's one of the things I love that they are keeping and not changing one bit from the original episode that they are how much they're poking fun at. Okay, we know people love this. Right. But we know it's funny. We know there's a (laughs) lot to make fun of that right there. And if you're gonna make fun of something, make like what's easier than the stuff in the same sort of company that you can directly You say like image, like imagery of exactly uh, as the DC comics. So I feel like that. I I love that joke. And I am really curious how people are going to take it.
0: Me too. I mean, you kind of have to watch for it. Everything. The one thing, it's not really a knock against the show. It's something that makes me want to go back and watch stuff again. And this time with like subtitles, I really need subtitles, especially for the songs. They just talk so fast and the jokes come flying at you that you're just like, wait, what? And as the time that like a visual joke registers in your mind, you're like, wait a minute, what did they say? So I really want to go back and pick up on some of that stuff because there are Trump jokes in there. There's Fox News jokes in there. There's mm-hmm. uh, Seth Meyers jokes that some of them are like, I'm sorry, what did they just say? There's all yeah, the different reboot jokes. I want to know what they're saying when they cobble together the different pieces of the Justice League into this Frankenstein's monster that they then have to like care for as they shuffle him off stage. There are so many little things. I need to go back and watch it again, but I absolutely love that is there any um yeah go ahead.
1: yes i i was gonna say and i should have mentioned it before i forgot the one just a tiny little uh possible negative point oh sure is that at least in the episode i saw were maybe just a little bit too much into politics but mm. not again they, they don't really deal with trump it's just like the same things because again because they don't know what happened between 2018 and now right. quite a lot of it just like Jokes about Russian interference, and by now we are like, yeah, we know that, and nothing was done about that. Right. Nobody seemed to care about it. So then, like, <laughs> why bother with it? Even though, like, it ended up being a little bit funny. Uh, but I would say the one political joke I absolutely do- adore, and I am curious how people are gonna take it. Uh, both in terms of how many people are gonna get it, right, and also how many people who do get it, what they're gonna feel about it. Is in I don't remember what episode. Um they do a short uh, sketch where they, it's like the price is right, but it's said in Venezuela and it is with the hyperinflation. And you're like, a guy tried to guess the the price for like uh, a a gallon of milk. And by the time he writes down his answer, it it like multiplied like so much (laughs) and he loses. And I was laughing so hard because like, is that, again, like that poking fun at things that, even if you are being like offended, you're like, yeah, but I mean, it is funny. It's still I do funny. Get, like, yeah. You had to do it, yeah. But that's the thing. So it's like I, that. I
0: really, really. Like- yeah, it's that cutting edge kind of humor where it's just like, ah, it's right on the edge of being not necessarily offensive, but just kind of like, oh, come on. But like, it's still funny. Yeah. Um, It's funny because like no kid's ever going to laugh at that joke. No kid's ever going to laugh mm-hmm. at, a, at a hyperinflated currency in Venezuela. <laughs> like nobody's going to laugh at that unless you're our age. Um. But I love stuff like that. And that's what I'm, I'm looking forward to most, I think, with uh, watching the rest of this series. One thing I'm interested to see is if and when they go forward. We know they're on season two. But as they go forward, is that production process still going to drag that that long? You know, so are they going to take the chance of you have this this timeline, this lag, right? Where it's like, well, we've got two years to production. So are we going to make the jokes that might not be relevant two years from now? Yeah. Or are we going to play it a little safer and maybe miss out on some stuff? So I think so far they've done pretty good. Uh, I don't know how that's going to look going forward, though. So I guess we'll have to stay tuned and see. Especially with if if
1: I, I don't know if they are like how production season two is going, yeah. but especially assuming it's like it was happening this year, I don't think anything from 2020 is going to stay like the same job wise. Right. Six months from now. Yeah. Let alone two years from now. No,
0: I don't know how it could.
1: So i'm really 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 curious about that and, and i i do um when i talked to the the, the showrunners they yeah. did mention that they had to uh like that was a big part of this season uh like they had a and i think they said that it is still in one of the episodes they had a whole thing about the olympics oh. and that didn't come to
0: <laughs> <laughs> which how do you predict that you never think that's gonna happen
1: exactly it's like
0: well it happens every two four uh, I- years so
1: Right, and they they only change like one joke, uh where uh, a doctor has like like flu symptoms, and they just change it slightly, so it's not like
0: yikes flu symptoms.
1: Um, <laughs> oh uh, well, yeah, yeah, I, I do wonder a lot of like how this is gonna affect not as much like production, but like the jokes. Yeah, the content. Yeah, and how they're gonna do that? Because let I me, mean, I, I get like, not every episode, not every show is South Park where they could do it like that same week, right. But, and that's one of the things like a lot of people Chris us about the Simpson like that not they don't have that that, that punch to it that hit to it anymore right. because of like production uh, delays and all of that. So I wonder how they are gonna handle it here. We'll see?
0: We'll see. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see it. Um, so far, so good, I think for me. I'm a little concerned uh, that they may not have the variety <laughs> that I'm looking for. That's my main sticking point right now. But anything else, any final thoughts before we get into the recommendation tonight?
1: No,
0: I think I'm good to jump straight
1: ahead.
0: So for our new and returning listeners alike, here's how we do the recommendations uh, on this show. We can recommend it, which means we'll give it a thumbs up, and if uh, both of us recommend it, then you guys should probably go check it out. We can also not recommend a show, and in which case we'll say the reasons why we don't recommend it, but we'll also give you something else to check out instead. We can also put it in the dip. So if we don't recommend a show, and each of us decides that it's it's so bad, it is so not worth your time, that we will put it in the dip from Roger Rabbit and erase it from cartoon history for all time. It needs a, a, a consensus. Raphael and I both need to dip it, uh, and it'll be erased, and we'll never talk about it again except to occasionally explain it in a conversation like this. So, Raphael, Animaniacs, the reboot on Hulu right now. Do you recommend it or not, and why?
1: Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> a, a, definitely a recommendation. Uh, even though... I, I I feel like my uh, negatives with it are mostly like, I want to see how they handle handling the rest of the season. Right. And even then, like, who knows with season two, uh, if they're going to feel like, again, like the variety of it all. But as it stands, what I have seen is just as you would expect from not an Animaniacs reboot, but as simply more Animaniacs. I do really like the approach that they took, and I feel like that's such a. Simple yet novel way to do it, especially in an age of reboots. The fact that they, and maybe because it's animation, it, it was easier for them to do it. Yeah. uh That they just—it just feels like an episode that could have aired back in the nineties. Gotcha. And I feel like that's the the best thing I can say about it.
0: Honestly, I think you said it well enough for the both of us because honestly, that that's really what I was looking for. I was looking for a continuation. I was looking for that nostalgia hit from the original Animaniacs, but something that's kind of contemporary at the same time and I feel like they walk that balance pretty well. My only, you know, uh, concern like I said is whether or not they're going to have that variety, but from what we've seen so far, you know, it's it's good for what's there right now. So yeah, I'd say I recommend it. I'm going to be watching it the same time you guys are, so we'll we'll check it out together, but that's two recommendations from us. So check out Animaniacs Reboot Continuation on Hulu and wait for season 2. That's going to do it for us, but another uh, voice you heard on this show is Bobby Anthem. You heard him singing our praises and reading our synopsis you can also hear him on the paranormal podcast inhuman experience with his co-host bobby blades you can find them on iexp underscore podcast on twitter bobby also has a solo show called in search of my lost soul also available with the inhuman experience podcast on apple podcast stitcher just about everywhere else podcasts are found that's our shout out for bobby but Raphael, what's going on with you bud where can the folks out there find you on social media and what are you up to these days
1: Well, I post everything I do on my Twitter (laughs) at Rafael Motomayor. Um, I will have an interview with the cast and the showrunners of the Animanias reboot uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Cool. And I'll have a piece on Observer.com about uh, sort of how the show updates some old uh, gags and jokes.
0: Fantastic. You can also find Rafael's work on our site, Collider.com. You can check out his work there as well. Hopefully many more pieces from him to come in the future. As for me, you can check out uh, our very successful Kickstarter from last month called Iron Face. That is a comic that is currently in process. If you guys are interested in that, we have a, a ton of information up. Iron Face Studios on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can check that out. As for me, I'm still, as of this recording at least, an editor at Collider.com. You can find me on Twitch, at DrClawMD. Also on Twitter, at DrClawMD. And if you're the reading type, you can check out the science of Breaking Bad from MIT Press, available on Amazon. Why do I plug that book? Because I wrote it. That's why. Uh, as for Sean, who's not with us tonight, he's still doing improv comedy with Washington Improv. You can find tickets and times at witdc.org. He's also on Twitter and Instagram at sean paul ellis, and he's doing a improv comedy podcast called The Bureau. As for this show itself, you want to contact us? You want to support us? That'd be amazing. We'd love it. You can check out our Patreon, Saturday Morning Cartoons. Remember. That's Morning with a U. You can also tell a friend, review us on Apple, iTunes, all that good stuff. Drop us a DM on Twitter at MorningTunes. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Saturday Morning Cartoons. Drop us an old fashioned email, Saturday Morning Cartoons at gmail.com. You can find all that information under our link tree that Sean has kindly set up for us. It'll be a uh, link to all our social media sites on every social media site. As for the podcast, you can listen to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts and iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. I want to say thanks again to Raphael for joining us tonight, bud. Yeah, happy holidays to you. I know it's not we're not quite there yet, but I don't know if we'll get you back on the show before the end of the year. So it's been a rough 2020 for everybody out there, but you've been uh, you've been a light this year. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, especially about cartoons. Love working with you on the site. So thanks again for joining us uh, on here, here on the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm always happy to be here, and again, and also happy holidays to you too, bud.
0: Thanks, bud. Appreciate it, and happy holidays in advance to all our listeners out there hope the rest of your 2020 is kind and gentle as it ushers us into 2021 but we'll be back with more cartoons in the future so thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time hey everybody thanks a lot for listening to saturday morning cartoons now if you'll excuse me i have to transform and roll out